Hey, this is Andy from Oklahoma. And Jesse wanted me to say that I never listened to I Dattle with Dolomore, but I do. I listen to I The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Episode 461 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. You know, everyone keeps asking me about Halloween and whether or not... Like whether it's a thing? It's a thing. No, <laughs> no, I think they know it's a thing. But uh, if I'm going to dress up, what I'm oh, doing, yeah. you know... And, well, the answer is I'm not dressing up and yeah. I'm not doing anything, uh, mostly because the next day we have Patricon. Uh, Patricon starts. Yeah, in, in L.A. Yeah. And so I really need my rest for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you need your rest. Like, you need to take a nap because, oh, I'm going to take a nap later, and I, I really need to prepare. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> uh, so I've also been getting, you know, I have all these daily emails that I get of uh, news stories like Numlock News from Walt Hickey, formerly of 538, where he picks out the headlines that have, like, numbers in them, and he writes a little bit about them. And then... Um, significant digits from 538 which does the same thing that's what he used to do but he started his own email newsletter it's really exciting and uh <laughs> most were you of, noticing how unexciting it was as you went along yeah you were like falling asleep <laughs> but no i was preparing for my late my nap later yeah a lot of the uh digits the news stories about the digits in the news have been about halloween and one of them was like about the average amount that a Americans spend on Halloween and it was something like $80 which seemed really high to me. Eight uh, now what what would that I didn't I didn't read the article oh, so oh. yeah. I wonder what that would entail. Like if it's just 80 on a costume, I, mean, I guess if you're into Halloween and you get some joy out of it, I don't think that's a that would be a big deal, but 80 bucks. Maybe you really love giving out candy. I mean, it's just 80 bucks. Well, I remember when I was a kid and um, there were like rich houses that you knew about. That, oh, like, yeah. That gave out like a full candy bar. Yeah. Every town has like a rich neighborhood that yeah. people just swarm. Yeah. And you like go out of your way to get the candy bar that costs 50 cents <laughs> right. normally. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's oh, not they're a lot really of, rich. It's not a lot of thought that goes into that. You know, those are like 75 cents, right? Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> even two for a dollar. But um, I, I saw this one poll and YouGov asked uh, almost 3,000 people in the U.S. If you could only celebrate one holiday, Halloween or Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, which would you choose? Thanksgiving. Which seems like it's not even a contest. I would right? shit. I would shit in Halloween's mouth. <laughs> If it was between Thanksgiving and Halloween. Yeah, so obviously a lot of Americans agree with you because 76% of Americans chose Thanksgiving, 19% chose Halloween, and 
five percent were just so torn they well, weren't they're, sure they're what asking to do. adults if they ask children i'm sure the the roles would be the numbers would probably be switched a little bit, but the, when well, you ask adults... Well, they did a breakdown by age, and there actually were some differences. Uh, 9% of people 55 or older chose Halloween, <laughs> and 33% of 35 to 44-year-olds chose Halloween. So the younger adults tend to prefer Halloween. It is no contest. Zero contest. Thanksgiving, that's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Halloween... <laughs> Maybe it's my 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 problem with being a spectacle mm-hmm. in public, mm-hmm. which Halloween is. That's the deal. Yeah, but everyone is a spectacle, so it's not just you, right? Yeah, I guess <laughs> you still feel like the spotlight. No, on no, you. no. Not not a spotlight thing. I just I'm I'm trying to extrapolate why Halloween doesn't fucking matter to me. Yeah, it's not that I hate Halloween. Mm-hmm. We there's been times where we've gone. We've taken trips to go to Halloween parties, mm-hmm. and they're fun. I, yeah. They're a great time. Mm-hmm. But if given the choice, eh, <laughs> wow. I'd rather just flip off the porch light or go have dinner somewhere or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's always the case, because yeah, right. <laughs> we like dinner. But... Well, exactly. <laughs> that just explains that Halloween, to me, is just like any, any other day. Yeah, it is. It is. And Thanksgiving, I, though, not, not the case. Well, I grew up in a house where my dad was obsessed with Halloween, like to a, a degree that should have been a sign of things to come, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, because it was a little problematic. Uh, but it, it always made Halloween fun. Well, you're... But your dad didn't just do like, oh, it's the spooky yard. He did like, oh, yeah, there's a person who just got an axe jammed through their head. Like he did horror show yard. Yes. Not spooky yard. Yes. It was very violent. Um, He built his own noose and had a skeleton hanging from it, (laughs) which is pretty handy. Good use of the time. Um, (laughs) I was also uh, a gorilla for the first like five school years like from first grade to yeah, but didn't grade. you have like a super realistic like legit gorilla costume yeah it was like a real gorilla costume and it was really warm so it was useful trick-or-treating in idaho but <laughs> yeah um back to this yougov poll basically enthusiasm for halloween goes down once americans enter the 45 to 54 year age group hmm. i guess i've always been in that age group then <laughs> I mean, I liked it as a kid, but once, you know. Yeah. Once you start taking care of yourself, I don't know. It's just me. (laughs) That's just me. Yeah. Well, good times. Good, good times. Listen, last episode, it turned into just listener communication. We went an hour 20 or so just doing listener communication. So the things we didn't get to, we're going to cover today, kind of as an addendum episode. And it's still relevant. Because Donald Trump, oh, wait, I guess we should do this the right way. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Donald Trump, picking up where I left off, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, all of this is still relevant. Because not only is Donald Trump, I think everything is a play for him. For for elections, everything's a game. Mm-hmm. Everything's a ploy. Nothing's genuine with this guy. This guy, the president. This fucking guy over here. 
the president of the United States. And when when this crazy week of turmoil and murder and chaos was upon us, when normal presidents take on the role of consoler in chief, we didn't get that from Donald Trump. He's deflecting, he's being smug and dickish to reporters. I mean, it really does encapsulate the entire presidency of Donald Trump up to this point. So we're going to talk about the two instances of him interacting with the press. The first, surrounding the MAGA bomber. Being asked questions, I guess, around the entire thing, but they start with, Hey, you're the president. I mean, I'm extrapol I'm I'm putting on questions they didn't really ask. They did ask, did you see your face on the van? Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's he's the guy. Mm-hmm. He's got access to the most up-to-the-date investigatory details. Right. All the intelligence mm-hmm. he well, has access to. He knows. Right. So they ask him, hey, did you see your face on the van? And uh what? No, I no. What do what, what do you mean? I did not. I did not see my face on the van. I don't know. I heard he was a uh, person that preferred me over others, but I did not see that. No, not at all. No, I mean, not at all. No, that, uh, that there's no blame. There's no anything. Uh, if you look at what happened to Steve Scalise, that was from a supporter of a different party. Uh, you look at what happened to numerous of these incidents, they were supporters of others. Now, I'm just really proud of law enforcement. I think they did an incredible job. And I will see you in North Carolina. So this denial, I think it's a denial, is telling. Because if, there, if, if he didn't feel as though he held any responsibility for creating a climate in which... People are now feeling the need to um, take matters into their own hands to deal with the enemies of the people. Then why does he need to deny the connection? Why the need to deny that he's a supporter? Why the need to downplay it as though, oh, I think he, yeah, he he preferred me over other people, but uh, that's all I know. No, right. he worshipped you. He went to your rallies. That's exactly right. He was there yelling CNN sucks with his giant steroid arms and a sign and his teeny tiny shirt that makes him feel like he's more of a man because he's showing his muscles. We could do a whole show just on... Listen, listen, people. <laughs> listen, dudes. <laughs> Nobody thinks you're fucking awesome if you wear a smedium and you need an extra large. A smedium? Yeah, it's between a small and a medium. <laughs> medium if you need a shirt wear a shirt that fucking fits don't be a fucking idiot medium it's not awesome that you wear a a skin tight t-shirt you look like a douche you look like a fucking moron who's so insecure about yourself that you can't cope with life get a shirt that fits maga bomber Caesar, you goddamn moron. Caesar Sayoc, he, I think he struggled with some, some body image things. I don't get it. So it's a warning sign. That that in itself is a warning sign. So, 
So, but you get what I'm saying about denying the connection here. If, yes. if there, if there, what if it wasn't going to say anything that he loves Donald Trump and has been to all the rallies and and has his face all over his van? Why the need to deny it? Why does if it's not important if it doesn't say anything? Well, it's just another case of Donald Trump insisting that we ignore what we see with our eyes and, and hear with our ears and believe him. Yeah, it's just another case of that mm-hmm. because. It was a rolling shrine to Donald Trump and Mike Pence, a rolling, whatever the antithesis of shrine is, to the death of of Hillary Clinton and other Democrats with bullseyes on their on their faces. Right. Very reminiscent of the videos that have been done about me calling for my murder. I'm not tying myself into this, Mm -hmm. but it really does go to show that this is a this is a climate Mm -hmm. that has been engendered by Donald Trump. Right. Well, I actually think that that is a fair point to talk about because of the ways in which all of these men um, handled their social media. Although I'm not sure about the Kentucky guy. I don't know if they found his social media. But this Caesar Sayoc, for sure, was threatening people via social media and had been reported. Dozens of threats. We talked about it last time. Hug your kids. Yeah, and he had I'm been coming for he you. had been reported and yeah. Twitter did nothing. And so now I'm kind of wondering if this is going to prompt a change in policies where social media networks are forced to Yeah. take action when someone's life is threatened online. And There's still a video of me with with a bullseye tracking my face and then then firing and then shooting and then the blood comes out well i don't know this one has the blood i think he took that one down Oh, okay well i mean even it's not really blood i mean he like basically created it in paint yeah 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 microsoft paint so (laughs) it wasn't like expertly done but yeah i think that social media companies these these organizations they do have a responsibility Mm -hmm. they're private Mm -hmm. they're they're investor funded yeah there's something to be said. The same rules that apply for the government infringing upon your free speech don't apply for Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, these others. Mm-hmm. I just think there's something to be said there. I don't know. I mean, I don't run the company. I'm not involved. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me they'd want to foster a a safe environment for the people who use their service. Yeah. Well, there's also an interesting discussion to be had about Gab. Which is yeah, the Jesus. the social network of choice of the Pittsburgh shooter, and if you Google and Nazis the world over, it, it, it's a shit show. Yeah, it yes. If you look up Gab social network on Google, its little logo is a frog, so like a Pepe the Frog type yeah. type thing, or an an allusion to it. Yes, and this website has been taken offline now. Um, oh, really? Following the Pittsburgh shooting. So it's Did been, they take it down or it's just been like their their web host said, yeah, fuck you. We're not doing this. Um, well, a statement on Gab's website said the platform would be, quote, inaccessible for a period of time as it switches to a new web host. Oh, it said the issue was being worked on, quote, around the clock. Gab.com is under attack. We have been systematically no platformed and smeared by mainstream media for defending free expression and individual liberty for all people. 
It's this, the same tired Dave Rubin fucking argument. Well, that's why I laughed because Ugh. this free expression, individual liberty, it's a place where people go to talk about how much they hate Jewish people. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, that's exactly right. So GoDaddy has confirmed that it gave the site 24 hours to move to a new, new service, uh, a deadline that expires yesterday. So it hmm. already expired. It's already down. So they also lost PayPal. PayPal uh, right, right, right. would no longer allow them to use uh, its services. I, I heard that, which is good. I Look, that's that's the free market working for you, folks. Well, and PayPal said in a statement, quote, when a site is explicitly allowing the perpetuation of hate, violence, or discriminatory intolerance, we take immediate and decisive action. Yeah. Well, good. Good. I mean, I, I uh, a little late, maybe, but that's kind of how the market works when, when something's starting to affect the 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 majority of the customers and they're unhappy they're going to make the majority of customers happy and and take action mm-hmm. so sometimes things work a little slower than we'd like yeah but as long as it ends up happening i think that's uh, it's a good sign mm-hmm. the other part of this is the fact that all it now as of right now 15 of these improvised explosive devices have been sent two to cnn i think it was 3 to cnn oh wow i think it was to two to CNN to different people, and then one directly to CNN in Atlanta. Oh, one actually to the headquarters. Yeah, yeah. One was to James Clapper. One right. was to John Brennan, who doesn't actually fucking work for CNN. Right, right. And then one you're saying to Atlanta, the, the headquarters in Atlanta. Okay, yes. so three, three, three to CNN to their facilities by whatever means. Mm-hmm. Then you've got President Obama. You've got Hillary Clinton. I guess we can consider it also Bill Clinton because he's in the household. Right. Um. Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, uh, Tom Steyer, George Soros. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the, the image Biden. that I made. Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro. Yeah. All these people. Eric Holder. Mm-hmm. And uh, President Trump, Dick Face Trump, was asked, hey, are you going to call President Obama and talk about this? Are you going to, like, oh, hey, we're really, you know, you don't have to take responsibility for it, but... Are you okay? We just want to check in, make sure everything's blah, blah, blah. We're you know, taking what care presidents of it. do. Yeah, be a consoler, but also touch base with a colleague. Yeah. One of the very few human beings who's actually held the position and talk about what went on. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, yeah, we're probably not going to do that. Uh, if they wanted me to, but I think we'll probably pass. Thank you very much. If they wanted me to, but I think we'll probably pass. What in the fuck does that even mean? Well, it means he's a child and he knows that they don't like him. And so he doesn't like them because that he's a child and that's how he operates. <laughs> it, it, listen, that that's exactly what it is. And that's yeah. what that might make MAGA morons across the country happy. Like, yeah, fuck Obama. Mm-hmm. Hey, Obama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not how adults act in the world. No. He's the president of the United States. He has an obligation to reach out. Yeah. You have to. Yes. You're the president of the United States. You're the president for all people. You're the president for people who do not like you, who did not vote for you. Yeah. Who do not support you. In, in fact, maybe more for them. Because you need to bridge that divide. But in you his- need to let them know, look, I know you didn't support me, and I'm not trying to win your support, but you need to know you're also represented. It's important. But in his 
childlike protecting his ego mind. He just thinks of President Obama as this man who is out campaigning against him, yeah. right? holding events where he's advocating against the Trump administration and trying to encourage people to vote for Democrats. So he thinks, oh, he is a terrible person because he doesn't like me and support me. So why would I call him and talk to him? <sighs> Th- that's it's just it's it is a it's a weird <laughs> it's it, amazing. It, it's bizarre that everything gets filtered through. Do they like me? Yes, everything gets filtered through that lens for Donald Trump. And also just he can't look outside of himself of I wonder what it's like. Yeah. To experience the world on different terms than that which I've experienced throughout my 70 plus years. Right. He has, he's unable to do that. Right. Or just radically unwilling to do so. Mm-hmm. So the other part of this clip here is them asking, the media asking him directly about the tone. Is he going to tone it down a little bit in the wake of the bombings? And this was, by the way, this was prior to the shooting in Pittsburgh. We didn't know that was going to happen yet. That the the invader talk about the caravan coming from South and Central America that's a thousand miles away. This group of people who are coming to, many of them, apply for asylum because of the violence and the murder and the abject poverty that they experience in their home countries. So it's not going it's not an invasion. They come and they they enter the United States and then immediately um request asylum as refugees. It's a legal process that happens all over the world. We're not any different. The fact that we offer greater opportunity than many other countries puts in a, puts us in a position where We have numbers of people who want to come here. But they ask him about toning down his rhetoric. That to any other clear-minded person, it's obvious that it led to the bombings. When Caesar Sayoc is using language verbatim that Donald Trump uses at rallies in his letters and on Twitter and on social media. Here's what Donald Trump said. Well, I think I've been toned down. You want to know the truth? I could really tone it up uh, because, as you know, the media has been extremely unfair to me and to the Republican Party. I think the media has been very, very unfair in terms of the Republican Party and the way it's been covered. And uh, they understand that. They write articles about that. Many of them admit that. But the media has been unbelievably unfair to Republicans, conservatives, and, and certainly to me. But with all of that being said, we're winning. So I like that. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's it's also, it's just not the time to be talking about that. Yeah. That's not what should be the focus at all of his response. The focus of his response should be, I'm thankful that no one was hurt. Yeah, first and foremost. Um, this is very serious. I cannot believe that someone feels the need to send pipe bombs to people that are criticizing me. I want to say to everyone who supports me, this is not something I want. This is out of control. This needs to stop now, right? Full stop. And you're not hearing any of that. Right. You're hearing, well, well, the press really attacks the Republican Party, so they need to be the ones to do something. I'm treated very unfairly. Unfair. Mm -hmm. It's a fucking weird word to hear. 
from the President of the United States of America. It's one thing if you hear it from a four-year-old or a Mm -hmm. seven-year-old. This is unfair. I don't get chicken nuggets and Susie got them. That's unfair. You don't expect to hear it from a 70-plus-year-old man who's lived in complete luxury his entire life, knows nothing about unfairness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, talk about unfairness. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Yeah, but also, people got pipe bombs in the mail. Not only that, presidents got pipe bombs. That's an assassination attempt of a former leader of the nation. Yeah. Is that the kind of treatment Donald Trump wants when he's no longer president? Mm-hmm. Does he expect, well, that's just what happens. You have people trying to kill you when you're a former president, and well, this just comes with the territory. Yeah. Or would that be unfair yeah. for him? Well, I guess just the lack of him coming out and saying, uh, this is not okay. Yeah. This needs to stop. I know, I know he came out and called for unity and peace and all that, but I'm talking about a direct condemnation of his supporters. Yes. And someone that supported him was at his rallies yelling CNN sucks, then sending pipe bombs to CNN. Three different pipe bombs. Um, can we get a specific comment on that? Well, I- instead of the media attacking Republicans being unfair. Right, right, right. Can we get a specific comment on this? It, it's not even. Uh, the, it's, for me, it's this. It's, you can't come out and say, unity, unity, unity. We need to come together in love and harmony, he said. And then five fucking minutes later, call the press the enemy of the people. Mm-hmm. That's you, you can't, and not even five minutes later, you can't continue to, day after day after day, continue to use that kind of inflammatory, incendiary language in this atmosphere where people are trying to kill other people. Christopher Ray said these weren't hoax devices. Mm-hmm. They were fully capable of exploding. We are lucky, and that's all we are, that someone didn't die at the hands of these bombs. And I'm not even talking about their, their intended recipient. I'm talking about some mailroom handler, mm-hmm. some innocent person going about their fucking day, trying to do their job to put food on their kid's table, who might have died because of this maniac who was ginned up by Donald Trump, who did this in service to Donald Trump. Donald Trump has a a responsibility to squelch that, to put that to bed, to say what you just said. In no uncertain terms, to disavow this violence and to continue to disavow. Saying that we need unity and that you disavow violence, political violence in all forms, just to be able to say that you said it, like like yesterday at the press briefing, mm-hmm. m- the president has said that multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's also said all the other shit after he said that. So it kind of negates the call for unity when you continue with your disunity. The other media encounter happened in the wake of the shooting in Pittsburgh. Press caught him on the way to a political rally that he did not cancel, that he continued with, that he continues with. He's got many, he's got more political rallies scheduled right now than there are days before the election on Tuesday. That says something. 
that tells you where Donald Trump's priorities lie. Here's the first segment. Squirrel Hill, I'll be speaking and making a statement at the uh, Farmers of America. You see what we're doing, the future farmers. They have the big conference and we'll be going there. I guess some of you will be going with me and we'll be making a major statement. It's a terrible, terrible thing what's going on with hate in our country, frankly, and all over the world. And something has to be done. Something has to be done. But it looks like the results are coming in and they're far more devastating than anybody originally thought in the morning. In the morning, they thought that it was a shooter, but they had the shooter or they soon would. But the results are very devastating. You're seeing the numbers come in. So uh, we'll be speaking to you at the conference, the future Farmers of America conference. and. Uh, it's just a shame to watch this and to see this for so many years, so much of it. I'm going to pause it there because toward the end of the clip, he's just rambling for two minutes, rambling and rambling and uh, it's just sad to see and whatever, all this bullshit that he's spewing. And you can tell he's getting fatigued and not, he, he's running out of things to say. So he just says, yeah, you know, do you got any questions for me? I can't I can't continue to do this. He it just I don't think I'll ever get used to his inability to be a normal person. His inability to behave and operate like a president. You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Still I'm shocked by his his lack of 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 empathy, his his lack of 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 just reacting like a normal person. Yeah, well, this is why it's somewhat important to elect people who have had difficult life experiences, I think. Um, and this is why you hear people, politicians, they always talk about, oh, my mom, you know. It's always the walked, mom or dad. Walked uphill, barefoot, we were so poor. You know, they always have this story. And whether or not they are... Amp amping up some details of it in order to make it seem more yeah. difficult than it was. Um, you want people who have experienced some difficulty in life, who have overcome some adversity, who have been met with challenges. And the benefit of that is that they don't look at the world as black and white, that they can see why experiences color people a certain way. Sure. And that someone who grew up poor understands what it's like to be on food stamps, to experience the shame of not having enough money to buy food. They see their mom working endlessly in order to provide for the family, and they see what that does and how difficult that can be. Um, they understand that struggle. So when they look to Americans who are struggling in that way, they feel empathy because yeah. they can understand the plight of other people. For Donald Trump, he has been insulated from a lot of the chaos in the world because yeah. he has a money cushion, and it's been with him since he was eight. Right. It's also like the Robert Frank book that he believes it's all on his merit, the he hard work, and he did it, not the fact that everything was given to him. Yeah, and so I think it is difficult for him to show emotion, probably for 
a myriad of reasons, but also because of just his lack of experiencing difficult things. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying he hasn't experienced any difficult things. I'm not expecting people to write in and yell at me for that. But I, I was just listening to uh, the news talk about CNN. Dana Bash was talking to someone about how someone in the inner circle of Donald Trump has talked about how it's not that he doesn't feel for people. He does. <laughs> it's just that it's difficult for him to be in this situation and express it. And to me, that is strange. And I don't really understand the argument because it seems like a natural way to behave when you hear that people are dead. Yeah. And that people were killed, for example, in their synagogue when they were attending a baby naming ceremony. And that seems like a natural thing, right? To feel emotion, to express emotion, and to even cry, you know? Um, like Obama was criticized for making speeches where he got teary. Yeah. And that's weird, too. I mean, don't you want someone who feels things, who can... Well, it demonstrates to me that they really believe they represent all Americans. They they look at us as one big family. Mm-hmm. I don't think Donald Trump thinks that. Mm-hmm. I think it's him and everybody else. Yeah. This part of it continues where he insists on a question to save him. It's uh, absolutely a shame. Do you have any questions? Mr. President, do you think you need to revisit gun laws? Earlier this year. I can talk up a little bit. Gun laws. Gun laws. Gun laws. Well, again, uh, this has little to do with it. If you take a look, if they had protection inside, uh, the results would have been far better. This is a dispute that will always exist, I suspect. But if they had some kind of a protection inside the temple, uh, maybe it could have been a very much different situation. They didn't. And he was able to, to do things that, unfortunately, he shouldn't have been able to do. I hear the police were outstanding. I heard the police did an incredible job. And as you know, uh, numerous police were badly injured. But uh, again, law enforcement did a fantastic job. But we're going to have a very complete uh, statement for you. We, uh, the results are coming in of what, what took place, how it took place. Uh, again, law enforcement was outstanding, as always. I mean, as uh, as usual and as always, law enforcement was really outstanding. They stepped up to the plate. But Pittsburgh, great community, incredible people. I spoke with the governor. I spoke to the mayor. And uh, to see this happening again and again and again is just a shame. As usual and as always, law enforcement did a great job. That's his go-to deflection. Mm-hmm. He can't really talk about anything else. So uh, if you talk about law enforcement, that'll rile up the MAG Americans. That'll that'll signal to everybody, oh, I'm law and order guy. Gotta love the cops when it's convenient for him. You know, I started thinking about how I judge Donald Trump for not changing his cadence or tone when he's talking about emotional subjects. Because mm-hmm. typically to me, when I hear people talking about something emotional, their voice changes in some way. And... Maybe that doesn't happen for you, though, because you criticize me on the show when I start reading something that makes me emotional. I get really quiet and you have to like turn up the mic because I'm not talking loud enough. Yeah. And I I wonder if that's something that I should not expect of him. Well, no, because we have we have there's there's dynamics in our voices. The pitch changes. Mm -hmm. 
our 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 voice modulates it, it changes yeah his doesn't it's the wow this is terrible i don't i can't blah 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 it's it's it doesn't change it's the same it's it's like when he reads there's there is a difference between donald trump reading prepared remarks yeah and uh doing his shtick up there at the rallies mm-hmm. when he goes into sympathy mode it's like rehearsed. It's like red. Yeah. There is no natural, unrehearsed um, sympathy. That's yeah. the way it seems to me. Yeah, it doesn't seem genuine. Yeah, well, never, mm-hmm. never, never. Yeah. And listen, if I think you can be a bad fucking person and still have empathy for others. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Donald Trump is capable of it. I, I've not witnessed one moment where Donald Trump has shown genuine concern for another person. There's always a calculation involved. How it's going to politically affect him. How it's going to politically benefit him. How it's going to ingratiate him to his white supremacist audience. That's a problem. To see this happening again and again and again is just a shame. Do you think there's anything you can do to end this kind of violence? Well, it's a violence that's, uh, you look at the violence all over the world. I mean, the world has violence. The world is a violent world. And uh, you think when you're over it, it just sort of goes away. But then it comes back in the form of a madman, a, uh, a wacko. I think one thing we should do is we should stiffen up our laws in terms of the death penalty. When people do this, they should get the death penalty, and they shouldn't have to wait years and years. Now the lawyers will get involved, and everybody's going to get involved, and we'll be 10 years down the line. And I think they should stiffen up laws, and I think they should very much bring the death penalty into vogue. Anybody that does a thing like this to innocent people that are in temple or in church, we had the so many incidents with churches, uh, they should be... They should really suffer the ultimate price. They should pay the ultimate price. I felt that way for a long time. Some people disagree with me. I can't imagine why, but uh, this has to stop. So we're going to have a statement at our stop with the young farmers. Who is shocked? Is there anybody who's shocked that Donald Trump wants to do away with due process related to taking the life of a citizen, whether or not they committed the crime? Whether they they're found guilty, I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First of all, there is a, a a federal death penalty at the federal level. They're going to call for the death penalty. They've already announced it. But to take away this person's due process, well, then it's going to be years and years. <laughs> yeah, that's you're going to take the person's life. Mm-hmm. There should be a drawn out process to make sure that everything is done correctly. Mm-hmm. by the books well again this is something that um people who are born into wealth yeah. don't need to be concerned about because right. again your money protects you from these types of consequences right if you get into this kind of trouble your money can help you get out of it right any kind of legal trouble so he doesn't understand right it's just going to take so long i just want it to be you know over with. right i mean 
I don't I don't know if I'm going too far with generalizing everything to his wealth and how his wealth has impacted him. But what's well, the lens through which he views the world? Yeah, I just I think it's a significant um, problem for him. The other thing is, did you hear how he talked about it? Bring the death penalty into vogue. Bring the death penalty into vogue. Like it's fucking bell bottoms. Oh, we need to bring bell bottoms back. Mm hmm. We need to kill more citizens for the crimes they commit. Mm -hmm. One, I'm sure the audience knows, I am opposed to the death penalty because I believe it's too much power for the state to have over another human being, over a human life, over its citizenry. There are many other arguments against the death penalty, including the rate with which they, they convict innocent people. Mm -hmm. It's not an insignificant amount. Definitely not. Um, Donald Trump's arguments about the death penalty remind me of mine when I was 16. <laughs> yeah. I'm being eye serious. for an eye. Yeah, no, I'm being serious. Um, his disregard of human life. Um, th this is not the way that a president should talk, even about criminals, by the way. Um, he should be, he's the law and order guy, right? Yeah. Law and order means respecting the laws. That's exactly what it means. The, the constraints by law that are placed on the government are there for a reason. If you're the law and order guy, yes, you got to take the, the constraints with the freedom, too. Yeah, you'd think. Ugh. <laughs> At our stop with the young farmers. Towards the beginning of your presidency, you met with the NRA. You said maybe you were the president who could help solve this. Do you see that now as a possibility? It's a case where, and again, nobody knows exactly what took place yet. It's too soon. But this is a case where if they had an armed guard inside, they might have been able to stop him immediately. So this would be a case for if there was an armed guard inside the temple, they would have been able to stop him. Maybe there would have been nobody killed except for him, frankly. So it's a very, very... Uh, very difficult situation, and when you look at it, we can look at it two ways. But again, if they had somebody uh, to protect people. Now, isn't it a shame that you even have to speak that way? Isn't it a shame that we even have to think of that inside of a temple or inside of a church? But certainly the uh, results might have been far better. That's what I'd like to follow up with you on. Do you think that all churches and synagogues should have armed guards? I hate to think of it that way. I will say that. I hate to think of it that way. So we'll see you with the future Is that what you're suggesting? No, it's certainly an option. I mean, in this world, this is a world with a lot of problems. And it has been a world with a lot of problems for many years, many, many years. And you could say, frankly, for many centuries. I mean, you look at what goes on. But certainly you want protection and they didn't have any protection they had a maniac walk in and they didn't have any protection and that is just so sad to see so sad to see the results could have been much better it is a very very it's a very difficult thing it's been this way for years and years decades and decades if not centuries that is a naked attempt to have it not fall on him this isn't my fault this isn't just my administration this happens in. No one's saying that. No one's thinking that. But he wants to get it on the record. It's a dangerous world. This has nothing to do with me. This isn't me. Mm -hmm. This happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Don't blame me. Rather than let's let's solve it. And let's not talk about solving it by 
listen, you're going to have to have a, a militia of armed guards inside your churches if you want to be safe. That That's a jackass reason. Yeah, why isn't he ever going to talk about the root of the problem, which is the racism, the anti-Semitism, the white supremacy? That is the conversation that we need to be having. And again, going back to my issue of him not being specific when talking about the bomber, he needs to come out and say, hey, white supremacists, no. Right. I don't want any part of this. You guys disgust me. I don't want any part of it. It's gross. Instead, he skirts around it because he needs their support in order to maintain whatever level of approval ratings he has. Mm -hmm. Did you hear uh, Kellyanne Conway likening this to just anti-religiosity? This brutal mass murder by by an avowed anti-Semite. Mm-hmm. A hater of Jews. Mm-hmm. And she's just making this a general idea about anti-religiosity. Mm-hmm. Like it, like the shooter was he, an atheist. He could have just, easy, just as easily walked into an evangelical service and done it. Right. Nope. Right. And it's disrespectful to the situation and the memories of these people mm-hmm. to assert otherwise. It's true. Uh, all right. <laughs> you need to take a deep breath. Well, I, I don't know whether where where to go from here. So we have the Shep Smith arguing with Chris Wallace mm, clip, mm-hmm. or we can go to uh, the spies listening to Donald Trump's personal phone calls, or we can do both. Yeah, let's do Shep, and then we'll do the Chinese phone calls. All right. Well, so here's the here's what's great. Last episode, we talked about the the Fox News conspiracy theories that this is a false flag, the bombing. Um, but it's not all doom and gloom over there. There are a couple of reasonable people mm-hmm. over at Fox News, one being Shep Smith, first and foremost being Shep Smith, and the other is Chris Wallace, who really shit the bed in this clip. Shep Smith has him on, and they're you know they're it's a kind of a promo segment where they're promoing Chris Wallace's Fox News Sunday. Yeah, and uh, they start talking about whether there's blame to go around, um, the culpability of Donald Trump, and Shep Smith obviously takes the correct position, and uh, they get into it a little bit. Turn to Chris Wallace now, uh, host of Fox News Sunday. Uh, Chris, it's you, you just can't ignore the politics of all this, even even if you wanted to. Uh, these are people the president has gone after rhetorically. Uh, these are people this guy targeted. He's a big supporter. It goes to the tone and tenor of the political discourse and the words that the president uses in his rallies and all the rest. Yes, but and, and, and the but is that I, I don't think you can draw any particular link or any responsibility on the part of the president for this action. I mean, I, as Sarah Sanders said, and as was just repeated uh, by John Roberts, a Bernie Sanders supporter shot up uh, the congressman uh, at, at the baseball practice. Is Bernie Sanders responsible for that? No There's one no said question. he was responsible. I'm just saying the political the, the rhetorical discourse in this country has devolved over time. And the president says we need to unify. Well, that some of that begins with the rhetoric, does it not? 
Well, uh, it would certainly be good, but I think it's separate and apart from the actions of this guy. Uh, this is a twisted person. There are 300 million Americans, and they may be part of the fierce political debate in the country, but they don't put explosive devices and uh, Right, but when you packages. have this rhetoric, get, the one you worry about. But when you, when you talk like this, the, con the, the concern is that that one crazy one might then get empowered. We don't know what happened in this case. But overall, Chris, well, we do know what happened. We no, do I mean, know we don't know if he goes, oh, President Trump hates him, so I'm going to go target him. We don't know any of that kind of stuff. But, but what difference does it make, Shell? Well, the fact, the fact is, like the no, it's a, it's, a twisted, <laughs> it's a twisted individual, and to hold President Trump responsible. I didn't hold him for responsible. What twisted, Chris, come well, on but now. Yeah, that's the clear. I'm going to pause. <laughs> by, as evidenced by the clip stopping. <laughs> this is something that gets said over and over and over again. It gets repeated by Donald Trump. It gets repeated by Sarah Huckabee Sanders that they're blaming. Well, you're blaming Donald Trump for this. No one in the media, no one who's not like a commentator, because I haven't seen all of them, but I haven't heard anyone on any network blaming Donald Trump for the bombs. I have done that. And I believe he does share blame in this. If he was a random down at the bar, I wouldn't blame him. But he's not a random down at the bar. He is president of the United States with a loyal, fervent, frothing at the mouth following. So this 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 trope that gets keep get, keeps getting dragged out, where Chris Wallace is accusing Shep Smith of blaming the president over and over, when Shep Smith has done nothing of the sort, is ridiculous. Implication? No, of what the implication. I did is, is not. Now let's be fair, Chris. I'm the I'm rhetoric. Being, the I, rhetoric. I agree, Shep. Let's be fair. The rhetoric from the podium, the CNN sucks chance, the locker up chance, all the rest. It doesn't bring unity. You know, I, uh, I agree it doesn't bring unity, but it also doesn't bring explosive devices. No one said it does, but to, 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 to ignore the elephant in the room is just, you know, it's a fool's folly. I think that it's uh, really incorrect to somehow hold the president either by implication or directly responsible in any that. way you for the misdeeds it. of a person who's a psychopath or a sociopath. No one did that, though, Chris, and don't say I did. All I said was, when the rhetoric gets loud, the crazies come out sometime. And That's drawing a cause and an effect that I think okay. is, un uh, that is unrealistic and unfair. And effect. I just said we have an issue You said, you said when the rhetoric, rhetoric gets loud, the, the crazies come out. That's a cause and effect, Shep. Okay. That doesn't Isn't that not true, though? When the rhetoric gets hot especially the Donald Trump rhetoric that we've never seen before in this country. We've never seen a presidential campaign make a, a, a as a central narrative of their message, lock her up. I'm going to jail my political opponents. We've never seen that before. So when the rhetoric gets hot, the crazies do come out. Mm -hmm. And when the rhetoric is unprecedented, in its nature, so are the crazies. So are the actions of the crazies. And to try to disavow or or disassemble this in a way where Donald Trump doesn't have culpability is irresponsible. Okay, well, you can say it doesn't exist. We'll see what exists here. All I'm saying is that when from the from the largest microphones, from the highest plateaus, 
what we're getting is divisive television stations suck and lock her up and all the rest. It's new and it seems unhelpful and both sides have said that separate and apart from what just happened here. But that billboard there, the, the rolling billboard, you know, it's it's not nothing. It, it, it's a rolling billboard of a lot Again, of the I rhetoric would simply that point out that Bernie Sanders had certain views and was a devout Bernie Sanders supporter who shot up the Republicans. And I don't think you can hold Bernie Sanders responsible. He had uh, rhetoric that was strong. I'm not comparing his rhetoric to the president's, but I don't hold him yeah. responsible any more than I hold President Trump responsible. And I don't hold this is anybody the responsible of, this is the except the guy. Of a, of back a criminal. at the, time, and, back and, at the and, time when the Bernie Sanders stuff was true, people said it then, too. I, and it was wrong then. Okay, well, it was wrong then. And it's, wrong, it's a little it's more wrong noticeably now. wrong now, in this it's segment. A separate, which... Let me just say, it's a separate issue about the political rhetoric in this country, and I think it's unfortunate, and I think it's a, it's a very bad thing, but I think it's very dangerous to draw links between that and uh, links of any sort between that and criminal activity. History will decide what the rhetoric has done in this, in this society. I'll, I'll stand, I'll wait for history. I'll wait for it, too. Okay. I hope you have a good weekend, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I um, hope you have a good weekend, Chris. A little standoff there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird to hear Chris Wallace uh, mention the Bernie Sanders thing because, of course, and when he said, I'm not going to compare Bernie Sanders' rhetoric to the president's, well, then why are you even mentioning it? Yeah. Why are you mentioning it as a comparison if you can't even compare... Sanders rhetoric and Trump rhetoric. Why would you even bring it up? That right there is quite telling, right? For sure, yeah. So it bums me out because I have some some respect for Chris Wallace. Yeah, I, I I understand that he may be particularly sensitive to a conversation about placing blame on the president because that, you know, you can't prove it or he needs evidence and he needs to be, you know, a factual reporter. But all Shepard Smith was saying was Shouldn't we look at the way in which Donald Trump talks yeah. and how he can amplify this and how he is amplifying this um, or maybe how he needs to change course to prevent more of this from happening? And that isn't even a conversation that Chris Wallace wanted to have. Yeah. Well, listen, when that asshole shot up those congressmen on the baseball field, the softball field, whatever it was in D.C., where S Steve Scalise was shot and almost killed. Um. Bernie Sanders came out and disavowed that man in no uncertain terms. Mm -hmm. But also, leading up to the shooting, we didn't hear Bernie Sanders talking about locking people up. Mm -hmm. uh, about Republicans um, are enemy of the yeah, people. Enemies of the people. D Donald Trump is calling Democrats crazy. Anyone who votes for a Democrat is crazy. And they're dangerous. Yeah, he's shit. talking about how they're evil. I mean, these are... Right, evil. That's another word he uses. These are words that should be reserved for actual evil and for dangerous Kim people. For Kim Jong-un. For Vladimir Putin. The people that he loves. For Yeah, that's right. People that he doesn't uh, have a crossword for. Yeah. Actually. Mm -hmm. How is this not alarming AF? As we say. <laughs> oh, do we as say that? As we say, yeah. Uh -oh. How is it not alarming for people that all of the people that Donald Trump should be embracing, even across the aisle in a bipartisan nature, as Americans who just have different ideas about running the country, he doesn't do that. In fact, he maligns them. He ridicules them. He calls them evil. And the people with whom that we should have our guard up, our barrier up, against he's openly praising 
talking about how they fell in love because he sent him a nice letter. Mm-hmm. I mean, Donald Trump is so off base about how he's dealing with our adversaries. It's inexplicable. I mean, this here we're going we're gonna to move to the next story, and this kind of ties right into this. He doesn't take threats seriously. That the Chinese are listening to his iPhone calls as he goes off and hides from senior staff to make phone calls to his friends on his executive time, which he's taking like seven hours a day of. The Chinese and the Russians. And the Russians. So, Maggie, you've got some very interesting journalism, uh, some reporting. Is that a broad statement? Or it, it, I mean that in general, and Thank I mean you. that specifically within the last few okay. hours in the New York Times. An article that you wrote, uh, uh, um, or, or one of the co-writers on, right. which goes into how the president is using an unsecured iPhone to call his friends, and the Chinese are listening. That right. seems like a pretty big deal. He's, look, he's been warned repeatedly um, that the Chinese and the Russians are listening when he is on a cell phone, whether it is the personal iPhone that he continued using until last year and has held on, held on to primarily because it has phone numbers listed in it that he couldn't store in the other one, um, or whether it's the government one. You know, all that they can do is strip it down as much as possible, a government, a government phone. Um, those can, are not secure. You can still listen in. He was warned that this was a problem and he would often ignore the warnings. He has gotten better about using the secure landline um, and using the switchboard phones, that is true, and the, using the signal corp to make calls. Um, but this has been a, a very long and arduous process. And the related piece is that, you know, according to our reporting, uh, Chinese officials have used what they are gathering from who he talks to to try to influence who they believe are friends of his. One was Stephen Schwartzman of uh, uh, the, uh, the Blackstone Group, and one was Steve Wynn, who is the casino magnet until recently was the uh, uh, finance chair of the Republican National Committee. Um, you know, you, you don't necessarily need to listen on those calls to know those are two people who you might want to try to influence as they then talk to the president. But it adds another dimension to why this is problematic. Oh, my gosh. Maggie, it is jaw-dropping. It is jaw-dropping in its hypocrisy. Uh, Hillary Clinton's emails are calling online, right. too, right now. But here's right. lock, what her, lock her up. Yeah, yeah. And we'll it, hear, it, we will hear right. at the next rally. Uh, and being right. eavesdropped on by the Chinese, by the, Chinese, by the way. And they but that's can okay. hear that. But here's what the president says to you this morning. The so-called experts on Trump over at The New York Times wrote a long and boring article on my cell phone usage that is so incorrect, I do not have time here to correct it. I only use government phones, capitalized, and have only one seldom used government cell phone. Story is so wrong. <laughs> I really I really liked your reading out of the so on that one. What? This is very similar to the state. First of all, he doesn't actually say what is what is wrong about the story um, and the central thrust of the story, which is that he was warned repeatedly that there were intelligence ops um, being launched against his phone use and that he basically ignored it over and over again, number one. Number two, uh, the story was not boring. If he wants to, he can say all kinds of things about it, but it was not a boring story. And number three, um, boring is the same word that he used about another not boring story in the New York Times, which was the two-year-in-the-making deep dive into um, his uh, financial situation over decades and uh, the fact that his personal narrative claiming that he was a self-made man with a million dollar loan from his dad was not true and that his father had actually subsidized his life certainly through questionable means 
uh, for many decades. So I understand that is his reaction. He's perfectly entitled to his reaction, um, but we stand by our reporting. I think that's my favorite reaction ever from you. Say what you want about the story, but it's not boring. Maggie (laughs) Haberman, I appreciate you being with us. Thanks. So the big takeaways there are that Donald Trump wants to hide his calls from senior staff. Yeah. So he uses his own iPhone, knowing that it is being um, watched and listened to by foreign governments. Okay. Then uh, staffers uh, don't think it's that big of a deal, actually, because he's not informed enough to say anything important for anyone to hear. Think about that. The president of the United States is too much of a dummy to actually give away any secrets. They believe. I don't believe that to be the case. So I want to read the part of the story um, that mentions that. So, quote, administration officials said Mr. Trump's longtime paranoia about surveillance well before coming to the White House, he believed his phone conversations were being recorded, gave them some comfort that he was not disclosing classified information on the calls. They said they had further confidence he was not spilling secrets because he rarely digs into the details of the intelligence he is shown and is not well versed in the operational specifics of military or covert activities. So he doesn't know enough to be talking about that with his buddy, Sean Hannity. But the larger point here that I think is interesting, well, number one, this story was not covered because of the complete chaos that every news cycle is. Yeah. Um, I mean, she came on and talked about it, but how often have you been hearing about this? And this would be a major, major scandal. Yeah, as soon as it dropped, it went away. If there was a president, any other president, other than Donald Trump, talking on an unsecured phone line that he had been warned multiple times was being accessed by the Chinese and the Russians. And he refused because he wanted to continue hiding who he was talking to from John Kelly. What? Yeah. Okay. But also it's hypocritical because all he talks about is Hillary Clinton using an unsecured email server. Yeah. Lock her up, lock her up. Unsecured email server. And what? What is he doing? Obviously, what he talks about constantly surrounding Hillary Clinton is not actually about what Hillary Clinton did. Of course not. Again, it's pandering to his low information base to get them riled up, whipped up into a frenzy where they start chanting, lock her up. It has nothing to do with the facts or actual security, information security or otherwise, of the United States. And who knows what the fuck he's talking about to Sean Hannity or Steve Wynn or these other billionaires. Mm -hmm. Well, and you remember uh, President Obama was very careful with cell phones. He had an iPhone in his second term, but it was not used to make phone calls. It was not used for communication there were like no apps on it um and texting was forbidden he had a blackberry he was addicted to his blackberry it was a big thing when he took office in 2008 that he was going to have to give it up because it was like a third appendage Mm -hmm. and he gave it up because of the fact that it's so important yeah they found Uh, cellular cloak devices in Washington, D.C. that they believe foreign governments have set up to monitor communications in and around the White House. Mm -hmm. In key areas in Washington, D.C., they found these devices that are about as big as a suitcase. 
We know this is happening. This isn't a fake story. I mean, we don't need to convince the audience this isn't a fake story. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, governments do this. I, I remember when Edward Snowden leaked the documents and then it was discovered that Americans were actually tapping An- Angela Merkel's phone. Yeah, of course. Um, and the controversy that surrounded that information being released. So governments do this to other foreign officials well they wouldn't be they wouldn't be serving their people well if they weren't gathering intelligence to secure their position in the world it it does happen and i'm not blaming the chinese for doing it we need to be smarter to guard ourselves against it and we don't have a smart man in the white house so Mm -hmm. that is that We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Dr. Barry W. King, 58. A former Mesa County gynecologist. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. I know. I have no idea what the story is, but I have a feeling I know where it's going. So here's the overview. Um, a woman who used to work for him came to him with a medical concern. She, um, I think her gynecologist, her former gynecologist had retired and she hadn't found a new doctor yet. And she was a breast cancer survivor who had years before undergone a double mastectomy. And then she got worried because she found a lesion on her vagina. And so she came to him and said, can you you know, give me an exam? She trusted him. She thought that yeah. he was a good doctor. She thought that they were friends. And so he agreed to give her an exam because she seemed really concerned. Concerned. And what ended up happening was after the exam, he made a comment to her. He said, quote, when you get home tonight, I want you to have your husband take a look. Okay, at her vagina. Mm-hmm. So she was very confused by that because... Uh, what? <laughs> Take a look at like what at the lesion? I'm asking you to do that. You're a doctor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she went home, didn't think anything of it, was using the bathroom, and saw purple color on her toilet paper. And she recognized the color as a dye that is used to treat medical issues, including including like yeast infections. She was confused again. Because she didn't understand what use the dye had. And he also didn't tell her about the dye. And she also thought it like hasn't been used for years, this particular dye. So she goes to work the next day. And he's giddy, she says. His com- demeanor it has completely right. changed. She's, she still works for the guy. Right. And he brings up her exam. And then he says, it was a joke. It was a joke for your husband. He dyed her vagina as a joke. For her husband to see. He died at purple. Wow. The doctor. And it didn't stop there. He actually told other people in the office. So she started to notice that everyone else knew about the quote unquote joke. Wow. That he had played on her as well. Which she said was obviously a violation of her privacy. Right? Yeah, for sure. Um, The goal, she believes, of his prank, this doctor, he's 58 years old. Uh, was that she would have sex with her husband while then, she still had the dye and then dye his, dye his penis purple. Yeah. Quote, I was sexually objectified as a prank on my husband in hopes that his penis would be stained purple. 
Now, at first, she didn't report King, the doctor. um, And this is the quote that is going to break your heart. Quote, I didn't want to ruin his life. I was just going to go get another job and leave like most victims do. But one of her friends said, hey, you need to report this. Good for them. Yeah. Um, And the police got involved and they ended up charging him with harassment. But here's the thing. Only harassment? He's not getting jail time as a part of a plea deal. And he's actually allowed to continue practicing medicine. That seems like a failure of the the, the board, so, the licensing board in Arizona. Arizona, right? Colorado. Colorado. So he gets to keep his license, and he's now mentoring young doctors as well. What's his name? Dr. Barry King. Barry King. Asshole of today. I mean, this is... How do you have a criminal charge related to the practice of medicine, and then you can get to continue to practice medicine? Mm -hmm. Well, the judge uh, talked to him during... Male judge? Yes. Yeah. And said that his attorney obviously got him, quote, an amazing deal. And just to give context for the later part of this quote, at one point, the victim talked about him as though the doctor, Barry King, as though he was a frat boy. Mm-hmm. And so the judge said here, quote, maybe it's as mature as a frat boy. You can't be doing this stuff. So <laughs> you can't be doing this stuff. Come on. Well, listen, the judge is culpable here, too, because a judge can cannot abide by the terms of a plea deal. The judge can sentence doesn't have to abide by whatever agreement the prosecutor entered into. Mm-hmm. And this is a failure. This is a failure of the of the justice system. This is a failure. This woman is a victim who did not get justice. Mm-hmm. God damn. Yeah, so I mean he he has to do like community service. He has Big to fucking deal. He has to take an ethics course, I believe oh, that he already boo-hoo. completed. Yeah, so but the point is what kind of doctor? She needs to sue him civilly. What kind of doctor thinks that this is okay? I mean, and then he even has the audacity to come to her and he's acting all giddy the next day and is like, oh, it was a joke. How did it work out? Is the dick purple? I mean, he didn't say that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The issue is it was harassment because she couldn't prove that it was that he actually intended to have her have sex with her husband and yeah. have the penis turn purple. Like she didn't know what his intent was behind his actions. Yeah. Yeah. So, 2018, and this kind of stuff is still happening. POS. All right, we're going to go. We love you guys. Um, We, we, because this episode, when I get out of my routine, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And we didn't do the mid-roll with the Patreon support. We didn't talk about the new Patreon supporters that we have or the the people who have uh, upped their pledges. So, we're going to save that (laughs) for next time because this is a hashtag third episode week. We'd love to hear from you about any and all of these stories and anything else. 657-464-7609. We'd love to hear from you via voice memo. Email those from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. As always, we are a listener-supported program. You can go to teamdollamore.com. That'll forward you on to Patreon. We would love to have you in the Patreon family. You can give a dollar a month or five bucks a month, whatever feels comfortable for you and make sure that it is comfortable for you. Don't put yourself out at all Mm -hmm. in service to supporting the show. We know your listenership is good enough. 
Speaking of listenership, you can also listen on Spotify now. Also, if it is going to put you out to financially support the show, which is totally fine, we totally understand, and you still want to support the show, one way you can do that is by liking and sharing the posts on the I Doubt It with Dollamore Facebook page. Super important, especially now. Yeah. I mean, when you're scrolling through and you see one of those posts, just hit like, uh, share it to your page. You don't always have to share. <laughs> if it speaks to you, you can yeah, share Yeah, or com- just comment. Put a little heart next in it, and that'll... Any kind of engagement. It, it's a, a very subtle form of marketing, because it'll push it into other people's feeds, maybe, right. depending on the Facebook algorithm right and that's great for the show it'll it'll get us in front of eyes who might not have seen us before 100 so thank you guys we love you we will see you next time for britney page i am jesse dollamore and this has been i doubt i really need my rest for that <laughs> <laughs>